keep calm. It's just a Ukrainian news from the bunker. You should be glad that you live not in this country. Survivor. Russian proxies break harvest ceasefire in Donbas. Ukrainian soldier got injured. July 24th. The armed formations of the Russian Federation adhered to the so-called harvest ceasefire in the Joint Forces Operation, JVO, area in eastern Ukraine. Today, the invaders launched one attack on Ukrainian positions. On July 24, the armed formations of the Russian Federation and its mercenaries adhered to the sustained ceasefire regime, the press center of the Joint Forces Operation Headquarters reports. No casualties among Ukrainian troops were reported over the past day. Today, the armed forces of Ukraine adhere to the sustainable ceasefire, while the armed formations of the Russian Federation and its mercenaries have already violated ceasefire once. As a result of shelling, one Ukrainian serviceman was wounded. Next news, guys. Ukraine tests new Vilka MMLR system. Ukraine has tested the Vilka-M, Alder, multiple launch rocket system, a high-precision upgrade of the Vilka complex, which in turn, is a deeply modernized version of the Soviet Smirch. Vilka was a deep modernization of the Smirch MLRS, as it is documented. Although, in fact, it is about the creation of multiple rocket launcher with capabilities of a high-precision weapon. The system's maximum firing range is 70 kilometers. The inbound speed is about 3.4 m according to the results of state tests. The Vilka system was adopted by the armed forces of Ukraine in late 2018. August 2016, the Ukrainian military conducted successful tests of a new generation Vilka MLR system, which was designed based on a Soviet-era 300mm Smirch 9K58 launcher. The major developer is Luch State Design Bureau. In December 2016, Guys. 64 convicts transferred from occupied Donbas to government-controlled Ukraine. Another 64 convicts have been transferred from the temporarily occupied areas of Luhansk region to the government-controlled territory of Ukraine. Today, on the bridge in Shchastya, there was another transfer of 64 citizens of Ukraine, who were held in the penitentiary institutions in the temporarily occupied territory of Luhansk region, and were detained or were serving their sentences for crimes at the time of the occupation of Donbas, she wrote. She recalled that this was the sixth stage of the transfer of prisoners from Orlo. According to Denisova, from December 2018 to July 2019, some 319 convicts were transferred, 124 of them, or their relatives directly appealed to the Ukrainian ombudsperson for help. She noted that 519 convicts had been transferred during 2014 to 2019. How Mueller deputy Andrew Weissman's offer to an oligarch could boomerang on Dodge. The ink was still drying on special counsel Robert Mueller's appointment papers when his chief deputy, the famously aggressive and occasionally controversial prosecutor Andrew Weissman, made a bold but secret overture in early June 2017. Weissman quietly reached out to the American lawyers for Ukrainian oligarch Dmitry Firtash with a tempting offer, give us some dirt on Donald Trump in the Russia case, and Team Mueller might make his 2014 U.S. criminal charges go away. The specifics of the never-before-reported offer were confirmed to me by multiple sources with direct knowledge, as well as in contemporaneous defense memos I read. 
Two years later, Weissman's overture may have far-reaching consequences for the U.S. Department of Justice, Dodge, here and abroad. His former boss, Mueller, is slated to testify Wednesday before Congress. The Dodge, Mueller's office and Weissman did not immediately respond to emails requesting comment on Monday. At first blush, one might ask, what's the big deal? It's not unusual for federal prosecutors to steal a page from Monty Hall's Let's Make a Deal script during plea negotiations. But Weissman's overture was wrapped with complexity and intrigue far beyond the normal federal case, my sources indicate. At the time, pressure was building inside the Dodge and the FBI to find smoking gun evidence against Trump in the Russia case because the steel dossier, upon which the early surveillance warrants were based, was turning out to be an uncorroborated mess. There's no big there there, lead FBI agent Pete Strzok texted a few days before Weissman's overture. Likewise, key evidence that the Dodge used to indict for Tash on corruption charges in 2014 was falling apart. Two central witnesses were in the process of recanting testimony, and a document the FBI portrayed as bribery evidence inside for Tash's company was exposed as a hypothetical slide from an American consultant's PowerPoint presentation, according to court records I reviewed. In other words, the Dodge faced potential embarrassment in two high-profile cases when Weissman made an unsolicited approach on June 4, 2017, that surprised even for Tasha's U.S. legal team. To some, the offer smacked of being desperately premature. Mueller was appointed just two weeks earlier, did not even have a full staff selected, and was still getting up to speed on the details of the investigation. So why rush to make a deal when the prosecution team still was being selected, some wondered. Second, Weissman's approach was audaciously aggressive, even for a prosecutor with his reputation. According to a defense memo recounting Weissman's contacts, the prosecutor claimed the Mueller team could resolve the Furtash case in Chicago, and neither the Dodge nor the Chicago U.S. Attorney's Office could interfere with or prevent a solution, including withdrawing all charges. The complete dropping of the proceedings was doubtless on the table, according to the defense memo. Furtash's team suspected Weissman's claim was exaggerated. While Mueller had full authority to investigate the Russia case, he wasn't an independent counsel separate of the Dodge, but, rather, a special counsel subject to the attorney general's oversight. The third red flag came in how much Weissman communicated to Furtash's lawyers about his hopes for the Ukrainian oligarch's testimony. Prosecutors in plea deals typically ask a defendant for a written proffer of what they can provide in testimony and identify the general topics that might interest them. But Weissman appeared to go much further in a July 7, 2017, meeting with Furtash's American lawyers and FBI agents, sharing certain private theories of the nascent special counsel's investigation into Trump, his former campaign chairman Paul Manafort and Russia, according to defense memos. For example, Furtash's legal team wrote, that Weissman told them he believed a company called Barak, tied to former FBI informant Felix Sater, had made substantial investments with Donald Trump's companies and that prosecutors were looking for dirt on Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner. Weissman told the Furtash team he believes that Manafort and his people substantially coordinated their activities with Russians in order to win their work in Ukraine, according to the defense memos. And the Mueller deputy said he believed a Ukrainian group tied to Manafort was merely a front for illegal criminal activities in Ukraine and suggested a Russian Secret Service authority may have been involved in influencing the 2016 U.S. election, the defense memos show.
Weissman's private observations and sharing of prosecutors' theories went beyond what prosecutors normally do in proffer negotiations on risked planting ideas that could lead the witness to craft his testimony, according to legal experts I consulted. Remarkably, Furtash turned down Weissman's plea overtures, even though the oligarch has been trapped in Austria for five years, fighting extradition on U.S. charges in Chicago alleging that he engaged in bribery and corruption in India related to a U.S. aerospace deal. He denies the charges. The oligarch's defense team told me that Furtash rejected a deal because he didn't have credible information or evidence on the topics Weissman outlined. But now, as Furtash escalates his fight to avoid extradition, the Weissman overture is being offered to an Austrian court as potential defense evidence that the Dodgers' prosecution is flawed by bogus evidence and political motivations. In a sealed court filing in Austria earlier this month, Furtash's legal team compared the Dodgers' 13-year investigation of Furtash to the medieval inquisitions. It cited Weissman's overture as evidence of political motivation, saying the prosecutor dangled the possible cessation of separate criminal proceedings against the applicant if he were prepared to exchange sufficiently incriminating statements for wide-ranging comprehensively political subject areas which included the U.S. president himself as well as the Russian president Vladimir Putin. After years of litigation, the U.S. Justice Department won a ruling in Austria to secure Furtash's extradition to Chicago. But then his legal team secretly filed new evidence that included the Weissman overture, an Austrian official suddenly reversed course last week and ordered a new lengthy delay in extradition. That new court filing asserts that two key witnesses, cited by the Dodge in its extradition request as affirming the bribery allegations against Furtash, since have recanted, claiming the FBI grossly misquoted them and pressured them to sign their statements. One witness claims his 2012 statement to the FBI was pre-written by the U.S. authorities and contains relevant inaccuracies in substance, including that he never used the terms bribery or bribed payments as Dodge claimed, according to the Austrian court filing. That witness also claimed he only signed the 2012 statement because the FBI exercised undue pressure on him, including threats to seize his passport and keep him from returning home to India, the memo alleges. That witness recanted his statements the same summer as Weissman's overture to Furtash's team. Furtash's lawyers also offered the Austrian court evidence of alleged prosecutorial wrongdoing. A key document submitted to Austrian authorities to support Furtash's extradition was portrayed by Dodge as having come from Furtash's corporate files and purported to show he sanctioned a bribery scheme in India. In fact, the document was created by the McKinsey consulting firm as part of a hypothetical ethics presentation for the Boeing company and had no connection to Furtash's firm. Moreover, McKinsey claims in an official statement that it had no knowledge of a bribery scheme by Furtash and the PowerPoint's use of the phrase bribery payments never came from Furtash or his company and were, instead, hypothetical assumptions by McKinsey about standard business practices in India, according to the new Austrian court filing. Furtash's U.S. legal team told me it alerted Weissman to Dodge's false portrayal of the McKinsey document in 2017, but he downplayed the concerns and refused to alert the Austrian court. The document was never withdrawn as evidence, even after the New York Times published a story last December questioning its validity. Submitting a false and misleading document to a foreign sovereign and its courts for an extradition decision is not only unethical but also flouts the comedy of trust necessary for that process, where judicial systems rely only on documents to make that decision, Furtash's American legal team wrote in a statement to me. 
Dodge's refusal to rescind the document after being specifically told it is false and misleading is an egregious violation of U.S. and international law. Weissman Long has been a favorite target of conservatives, in part because his earlier work as a prosecutor in the Enron case was overturned unanimously by the U.S. Supreme Court because of overly aggressive prosecutorial tactics. Former Dodge official Sidney Powell strongly condemned Weissman's past work as a prosecutor in License to Lie, a book critical of Dodge's pressure tactics. It is now clear that Weissman's overture to a Ukrainian oligarch in the summer of 2017 is about to take on new significance in Washington, where Mueller is about to testify, and in Austria, where Fertasch's extradition fight has taken a new twist. This is the end, beautiful friend. The end. I hope to see you later, survivor.